Welcome to the Summon Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I enjoy my good friend John, and I'm Chris, and we're your co-hosts for the day. John, how you doing? Doing good, Chris. Ready to get this going? You're running the show? I don't know what's going on. I'm running the show. You're in the dark. You know, you are my next victim. So, uh, let's get on with it. Um, so... I have a couple of top topics to pivot to, but I just wanted to do an icebreaker with you and get your get get you a little bit loose because this story I have for you is nuts. Um, oh gosh! And it's coming from those crazy people down under. Uh, this is being reported by the BBC of a sexual fantasy gone wrong, and I <laughs> love how crazy and just weird this story is so basically what happens is uh two men uh are arrested for entering the wrong house after being uh hired for a sexual fantasy and i guess this happened last year in 2019 and so they these two guys were hired to carry out a client's fantasy of being tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom what yes but so but what happens is they go in they have machetes in their hands as part of the fantasy and they break in they break into uh this person's house what they don't know is that the client had moved and forgot to give them the details of the new address from their arrangement which their Hot arrangement twist. I know like it, it gets better the arrangement was the the client said that he would pay them $5000 if the experience was really good Oh man so great um but um i know this um so what happens is they go into this kitchen and the resident who's there is like oh you know my light's on and he assumed it was someone who a friend who comes and makes coffee and he goes out there and or he he sees the kitchen light on he doesn't worry about it and then he i guess he wakes up from a little like a little bit or he looks up um from his bed and there are two guys standing over him with machetes and uh oh my gosh i guess they start to realize their error because the guy isn't ready or some way and the, it's just simple as like oh sorry mate shook the res shook the guy's hand and then left and then they make it to the client's house they go to the correct address and the client cooked them a breakfast with like bacon eggs and noodles and then like while they were there a short time later the police showed up and arrested the two. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah what in the world oh but but nothing terrible happened the judge ruled uh in their case that the evidence did not suggest the men's actions were intentionals uh were intentional and said the fantasy was unscripted and there was a discretion as to how it would be carried out end quote so mike i I just wanted to discuss this story to you and it's just so bizarre like can can you imagine and and this is a sexual fantasy but imagine if you're like what's the anxiety level like for the resident but also the guy the the guys who are supposed to break in is just like oh sorry mate it just sounds so nonchalant so cool yeah oh and like you see you hear about all these news stories about people breaking in and like getting shot or killed in somebody else's house or even in their own house and then to see two i'm sure like large men with machetes sitting in your house like that must have been terrifying for them yes i it's just and i think the story originally which i didn't put in my notes but it was like does like the the judge noted that the client said he had a big knife in his trousers and i was just like okay come on the sexual innuendos just get it out of here like (laughs) but uh, despite this crazy story I take this from my notes from the story that was published on the BBC. And it's like they had been hired to carry out a client's fantasy of being tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom. Why a broom? That's a very, very specific fantasy to have. But uh, like, I'm curious, like what's what's with the broom? Like, is this a broom with like that's plastic? Is this a broom that's got like wooden grooves on it? You know? And I'm I'm worried about the state of this broom going against your junk. 
And I'm thinking it personally from my standpoint, like if it better be my broom, like, and it better be like one that's like, you know, you know, kind of like doesn't have like splinters on it. Like, I don't think I'd do a wood broom, sir. It's just such a bizarre caveat. That's a, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, oh, I do, like, I literally don't even know what to say right now. I, that was the, literally, like, the last thing I, I thought you were going to want to talk about. I, I can't imagine what must have, like, what trauma must have happened to that man when he was a child to grow up and have a fantasy about being, like, dominated by two men with machetes and then having a, being stroked by a broom. Yeah. I like what what do you think what do you think happened to him <laughs> to make him find that experience pleasurable? I mean, like, obviously, obviously I think the client, the guy who paid for it is a nice guy because in the story the two guys come over and I guess they notice the mix up and he's like, Hey, let me make you some breakfast, cook some bacon, eggs and noodles. And then they get arrested later. It's like, you know, he, he gave him the thing you do after the act. He's like, here's some breakfast. Or maybe we don't know if it, if it continued, I don't know. Or if it happened beforehand, but I just find, I imagine this guy who was going to pay $5,000. I imagine he's a nice guy, probably non-threatening, but it's just, you know, people are into so many different things, like uh, the different fantasies and stuff like that. And I just, it's not something that is, is judge, is something that, you know, it, it if it's for you, it's for you. You do you, mate. But as they would say, it's just like, all right, mate, sorry. But I, 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 I kind of don't want to take this story for granted because it's so bizarre and it's just it could happen to anyone where it's just like people can get robbed but what if happens if it's it's supposed to be sexual fantasy and it goes wrong these people end up in your house they're like oh i'm so sorry like is that going to become a norm when we get over social norms is that going to be something that just happens in like 2030 20 2031 <laughs> i don't know i mean i well first of all i hope by that point this guy who was broken into legitimately is able to look back and like hopefully laugh at the story and not have to go like get therapy because of this because of how highly traumatic that must have been for him. But I, <laughs> for this to become like a social norm to a degree, I mean, we're already kind of living in a dystopian world right now. This is probably the next natural step. Yeah. <laughs> The next natural step. Also, in the story, it says, like, those resident noticed the light was on at 6.15. He assumed it was a friend who came by daily to make morning coffee. And that that makes me think of, like, my time as a, like, as a young lad, you know, as a, as, as a young boy, where I had a friend come into the house one time, and he didn't knock or anything. He just walked through the front door. And we lived on a cul-de-sac, so it was, like, a safe neighborhood. But I was wondering, like... Um, is it, is that like a thing that you knew people to do where to just walk into like neighbor's houses or anything like that? I mean, you, you, he, like, I'm sure everybody has a friend or like a family friend that they would welcome into their house at any time. I don't think that my household was one that ever was, had that, had the attitude or, um, the mindset of like, yeah, no, anybody can just walk in at any time. Like, I mean, we locked our doors and expected some kind of heads up for the most part, unless you were like blood relatives or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, no, I I don't think I would ever have that kind of relationship with somebody, or I would just be okay with waking up and having some person in my house making food. I mean, like even if it was you, Chris, I don't. I think I would want a heads up first. I, I need to prepare. <laughs> That, that that's just not who I am. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. Cause like I hear stories and this mostly happens in like, I've heard it more of a Southern thing. Like for people who are really nice, it's like, Oh, it's my neighbor coming and they come by every now and then and stuff like that. But also it's not because when I lived, when I lived, you know, in the Tennessee boonies, it's like, you know, neighbors are so far apart 
you know, and also you like some people are really into that small community neighborly kind of thing. Um, my family and I, you know, and I, and I speak for part of my family. It's like, we're not really into that. Um, I, it's just, I'm just, I've always been part of suburbia growing up that when I finally went out to like the like places where it's like far, you like down the road, like you don't want to walk to your neighbor. You might want to drive a car because like spaces, things are so spaced out. Um, like because of like farms and things like that, you know, you really don't think about neighbors. Um, you also don't think about people just randomly coming into your house to like have some coffee. And I was just wondering to pose that question of that comfort level with that. Um, I don't know. I feel like also today in suburbia, there's more break-ins at homes. Like we've had, we've had three break-ins near, nearby in our neighborhood and that never used to be a thing like 20 not 20 but like 15 years ago yeah this sounds more like if you had taken somebody from uh like like a, a neighborhood from like the Andy Griffith show and like that time period <laughs> and just everybody's walking in everybody's super friendly everybody in the town knows each other and that's the kind of attitude that guy must have had of just like oh yeah no it's it's i know who this is it's it's normally expected and then you just walk out there and just imagine like an episode of andy griffith show and somebody just walks out into the living room and it's just two guys with machetes like i can't mm, nope mm -mm, nope i'm not okay this is gonna this is not okay chris well i mean i mean for obviously anybody who goes through this specific situation that this this resident went through who wasn't the client obviously it could be a very scary and it could have been drastically different depending on who the person was uh but i do think it's very interesting to talk about with that you know you just come into somebody's house because i had a uh one of my former bosses like he said that you know, he moved into his dad's house with his wife um, after his dad had passed. And his dad, on, like on, in the house on the first floor, um, was a bar, like a like a like a man cave-ish bar with like sliding doors and neighbors would come over. And I guess when they first moved in, the next morning, you know, I guess his the the wife woke up to some random person being in their house and like they were drinking like from the bar and he's like oh hi and the, they freaked out and like the like my boss had to go over and be like oh he's a neighbor like kind of like you know the expectation was that like the the former like his father would just people would come over and drink from the bar whenever they could yeah, yeah I, that... I just I'm, I'm so astounded by that it, that type of mentality and lifestyle is definitely not for everyone, I would say. I would say that lifestyle is kind of dying out, wouldn't you? Yeah. No, I think that a lot of people nowadays definitely respect their privacy and, and want people to be... I, I think in, in a lot of cases, want to kind of keep people at arm's length until they want to welcome them in. And I think that type of extroverted nature to where people can just walk in the security of your house... Um, I think that that is, you're right. I think it's definitely dwindling out and like you, you have more and more people putting up fences. There's less of this interconnected community aspect. I think where people live, um, I, I definitely think that people, a lot of people like to get close with their neighbors and, and like to, you know, have a conversation with them, but it, they, they keep it pretty cordial. I'm sure they don't really get it like interconnected in people's personal lives unless, it's someone they have a history with. I, I, I hate it so much. Like the random person, like we've talked, we've talked about this. It's like, are you, if there's a new neighbor, you're not going to like come over and be like, hi, we're your neighbors. Like, here are some cookies. You know, these are our kids. This is what they do. Do you have kids? Do you do this? I just, it just does. It just feels weird. It doesn't feel genuine. Exactly. It feels, yeah, it feels like you're, you're obligated to get to know these people just because you live in proximity with them. Yeah, it's like, hi, we're we're the Smiths. We live right next door, and these are our kids. They play soccer. Do you have kids? Do they play soccer? You know, let's do play dates or anything like that. Oh, I just, it's 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 suburbia one hundred and one, but I feel so disgusted by it. And, and you say the the genuine, like it doesn't seem genuine. And I'd be totally okay with someone 
being genuine doing that. They're like really friendly people and stuff like that. But I also have no problem be like, hey, I just moved in. Okay, cool. You know, I, I'm glad you're greeting me and stuff like that. Um, I just don't feel comfortable. And it's just like, no. uh, you know. That whole attitude and way of acting towards each other sounds like the beginning of a Jordan Peele social oh, thriller movie. no. I mean, it, it kind of took that turn of everything seems normal and nice and you wake up expecting to have a friend there. Then all of a sudden it's two guys with giant weapons. Yeah, <laughs> the throwback. I feel like if it's I feel like it's totally fun. Like if you were to move next to the fo- that's that it also becomes a question like when are we going to start moving uh, or not moving necessarily because the housing market it, it's I don't even know why I brought it up. But like imagine if you had like four of your closest people move right next door to you and the houses next door to them. Like imagine if you had a big, a nice group of people, like you have five people that all know each other. You're all friends and you all live like within proximity of each other. Like, like a walk a distance away. How many ragers and parties are you going to throw? Oh, zero. What? No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not changing that just because, <laughs> and that's, this is just me personally, but if I lived in a small community with friends, it would be easier to have like a game night. But I, I, for whatever reason, I've realized that I'm the type of person that just, I'm very reactive with friendships. I'm not super proactive. So I'm not, at least I'm not going to be the one to instigate the ragers. And I like to go to bed at nine, which is kind of boring. But if I would, I would need, for me personally, I would need some kind of extroverted, very outgoing kind of person to be the one to instigate everything, and I would happily join in. I would do that if I felt like I was in my element, but then again, we'd have to live really close to each other, sir. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. It's just, you know, we don't see enough of that dynamic of... You know, it's such a weird thing that I think about this, but because there are so many people in this country and all that stuff, it's not like the house next to you is open for like a friend to move in. Like that doesn't happen. You know, you uh, maybe with a not even with apartments either. Like, can you imagine if people lived near their social network as far not like online, but I mean their social network as far as people that they like, people that they're friends with. If people just lived next to each other do like do you think that would be helpful for us as social creatures i mean i think as long as there's social media there's going to be like no matter how close someone else lives to you it's not as close as being like on an app in your phone so there's always going to be i think that almost dependency on social media and that online interconnectivity and sometimes I feel like that might even take precedence over that real face-to-face kind of connection that, that people say they want. Um, because, I mean, that, like you listen, like you still have to get up. You still have to put on pants. You still have to leave the house to go see a friend. It's, it's a lot easier and it's a lot lazier even to just sit in your house and like scroll through your news feed and see how everybody's doing. And I think until that mindset of the dependency on social media and that kind of interconnectivity changes, I don't think that there's going to be a drastic change in in the person-to-person contact that people had years ago. Is putting on pants the third base for having friends for you? It's a pretty big deal. It is. I. <laughs> it's It's a pretty big commitment to like try and get ready to get to leave the house because then you get like look man when you have a dog like you got to find a dog sitter if you're going to be gone for a long time and like, you when worry. you're visiting friends it's not like it's not like hey you know we're going we're going camping like but come over i feel like it's like hey i'm just gonna go over for a few hours yeah but then like we're fortunate that we have like a dog door in our back to- back door but a lot of people don't so then you got to worry like it if i'm gone for more than like three or four hours my dog's gonna like pee in the house then i gotta run back so when you have that other thing in your life whether it be a kid or a, or a pet depending on you <laughs> you, <laughs> you said kid with pet and it just i had a feel i had it i instantly in my head i had the image of a of a 
of a kid, a small child sitting at your at your kitchen table and just looking outside, wanting to go outside to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, the difference is that it's socially acceptable for the kid to go in the house, not outside the house. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, well, the kid better be <laughs> potty trained. Obviously, if you're a new parent, that's not going to be the case. No. Ooh, Come excuse on, Chris. Me, excuse me, sir. Ooh, that was nice. But the, yeah, like I don't, the kid that, like obviously new parents know, but you know older parents, you know, you just have the other kid look at them. If you have more than one kid, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's why. That's definitely why. Back in the olden days, people had small armies worth of kids, so that their kids could babysit each other and do all the household chores, and the parents could just breathe a little bit more than they did when they were younger. Mm, that's a good point. Do you think now that people are living in apartments that it's not going like that? Do you mean like with the housing being smaller? Well, maybe not housing being smaller. You know, I, I always I, I'm curious to see if like the family unit in the United States is kind of not necessarily dying, but changing. Like, I'm curious to see how like the next generation of young kids, how they interact, how their families interact together. I mean, I I think that people are, like I said earlier, I think people are striving for more, for more like authentic connection and communication. And they saw, like personally, I would see the interaction with my parents and our neighbors um, just like, I think that they it was only there because that it, it was like the social stigma of you you had to get to know your neighbors and then it from there it kind of blossomed into a, an actual friendship for the most part but like my parents didn't go hang out with people down the road um unless they were also like connected in like our church group or we knew like the kids and like my brothers and i were friends with them and so like we would have like little get-togethers or whatever but i think the the majority of people just want to have like an authentic connection with someone that doesn't feel forced. And if it happens to be with somebody that you get to know in your apartment building or, or your neighbor, then I think it just needs to be real. And if it's going to happen, like for me personally, like if I was going to get to know somebody, it would just have to be through a series of events that like led to a natural, like getting to know them, finding common interests. Um, at this point, they probably would it would probably be easier if they were married so that you would have like kind of be in the same phase of that person's life that you can like connect with them that way as well. Um, and that way my wife and I could go and hang out with them together. We wouldn't have to feel like we were separated. I was about to say, why do they have to be married? Why can't you just have a friend who's a third wheel like me? <laughs> you will, you will always be welcome, Chris. But that's <laughs> the thing, like when you have somebody else like that in your life, like you want to share the connections you have with, with that person, so you you need to find someone that's compatible with with both of you to some degree at least um that like one person doesn't find incredibly annoying and um i mean like we're very fortunate that like obviously you can just pop by whenever and we like you and jill get along really well obviously you and i get along really well so we're we're very fortunate in that regard but i don't feel like that's the case with a lot of people and i mean honestly that's why a lot of friendships kind of fade away when you when you get older and, and move into different phases of your life just because you there's not always that same kind of connection that you need at at that stage of your life wow you you bring up a good point because you know when you're at work you form connections not necessarily friendships with people but you form like work relations and stuff like that and you could say that's the same thing for when you go to school as a kid is that you you form school connections like friendships in school but then you know you really see like you know the friends houses you used to visit all the time did you visit them because you you and this other person had so much in common or was it because you know you just you, you had the same math class together and you thought the teacher was a bitch i don't know <laughs> it, it it really comes down to you know those structures are kind of similar in a way which is you're forced into these circles um, not to say that it's a bad thing. Obviously, kids need to learn how to socialize. 
Um, then they also need to discover what their boundaries are with socialization, you know? Uh, I, I feel like that the, there are similar parallels with that and being an adult who has neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, like when you're a kid, especially for people in our generation, we we were looking for people to pass the time with because, I mean, I remember I was probably like one of the last generations of people to have their parents tell them, go outside, go play, come back for dinner time. And um, oh, gosh. And so you would like we we lived in this little neighborhood that I, I happen to be very lucky and that there were a lot of different kids my age in the in the whole area. And so I found a couple of them and we had some classes together at school and had some similar interests. And so you would just go spend time with them and just go like, you know, like play pretend, go shoot BB guns. A couple guys had like four wheelers. We would go ride around the backyard, play paintball together. Um, I mean, I was, I was definitely very fortunate with that. And I, I just don't, I don't see that in today's kids. I, I think that if they have that kind of connection with someone, it's, it's like just at school or it's because their parents are friends and they end up hanging out while their parents hang out. Um, or well, maybe that's like, better because it could may seem more genuine. Maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't think the authenticity is as important for kids until you really get into like high school in college when you can start driving and you can choose how you want to spend your time and you have more control over where you go and, and you gain that independence. Mm, that's a good point. Were, your parents weren't afraid of you being taken away by Mothman? <laughs> no. I, no. I know it's West Virginia and it's kind of a stretch, but I was like, maybe he could fly to Virginia. No, we never... Mothman wasn't a wasn't a big deal in my neighborhood growing up. Why not? Because it's West Virginia, Chris, and that's an entirely different state with their own folklore. Wait, so you're telling me Mothman only cares about West Virginia? Yeah, I mean, why does Bigfoot only live in the Pacific Northwest? You got me there. Yep, because I was it's, I was trying. Yeah. Well, they say there's a Bigfoot in like the Everglades, so it's like in the, instead of being named Bigfoot, it's called skunk ape oh my gosh skunk ape yeah and then oh there's also supposed to be a book fit a bigfoot in texas like in the uh, northeast part of texas of course there is you know it, it's just i i wonder would you rather have bigfoot or mothman bigfoot bigfoot just seems chill he doesn't want to mess with anybody he's just out doing his own thing just walking around being hairy there he's not attacking anybody i mean I well would, moths I would don't say, attack they just are insatiably attracted to light yeah but that's the thing like bigfoot just wants to keep his distance if he's even a real thing and ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, i just no. imagined because of the way you describe that he wants to keep his distance i just imagined like mothman flying through a suburb street you know like just a suburb street with cars and stuff like that and he just locks onto the brightest uh, porch light and just smashes into, smashes into the light, falls down, flops like a fish, and then suddenly flies back up away. <laughs> and then he goes to the next house to hit a light. Man, that sounds like too much property damage to want to live by him. Yeah, ha- well, Mothman would totally get shot right away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially if you lived in Texas. Well, in Texas, yeah. No. Well, do you think Mothman would be able to thrive in a place like maybe New York or no? That's too much light. He would. That's system overload for him. Well, Chris, yeah. this is the city that never sleeps. There never stops being light. He's going to run out of energy and he's going to exhaust himself. No, I, I think the I think the opposite. I think he'd be like in heaven. It's like it's, as a kid when you're when you're like when they tell you that there's a Hershey's like a theme park and you're like, yeah, no, there's no way. And they're like, yes, yes, there is. And you just dream about the Hershey's theme park, but you never go. I think that's similar for a Mothman in, in New York City. So so your metaphor here is a kid dreaming of essentially like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory 
and that that type of of just incredible atmosphere where you think you're going to get free candy and there's chocolate everywhere and then you go and it's actually disappointing and you just see a guy in a giant Reese's suit and you can take a tour no, no, no. and maybe get a bar of chocolate. No, no, no. I did not say Willy Wonka. Hear me again. I said Hershey's and I'm pretty sure Hershey's has a theme park in Pennsylvania. It does. But that like when I was. A have kid, you been I there? First, I have been, but I haven't been to the theme park. I just toured the factory. So, so, well, hold on. So you're telling me you got the lame experience, and because of that, you're projecting onto Mothman getting his dream in New York. Yeah, no, absolutely. This you, is You are yeah, projecting. I am. You're Listen, right. Google has Hershey Park at 4.5 stars. Out of 38,000 Google reviews that are probably bought by the Russian government, this this is a done deal, dude. This is like, this is Mothman's, like, this is his, uh, his pearly gates. So when all of this stuff is over and quarantine finally ends, are you going to take a trip up to Hershey, Pennsylvania to go check out a theme park? No, because I'm not a kid anymore. Exactly. I would much rather go to Disney World and be a Jedi, thank you. <laughs> totally different. That's very funny. The Jedi, the Jedi celebrate. <laughs> I can't get it. The Jedi are different than simple kids going to a Hershey park. The The Jedi are celibate, you know? The, okay. the, 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 the Jedi are a lot like priests, John. You just don't realize it. You're really selling me on this, Chris. And I'd like, and I'd like to say from our last podcast, I said double sided lightsaber what i meant to say was double bladed there it is there it is double bladed lightsaber but going past that you know you get to wear a bunch of robes pretty cool you got to be in service for a long time you know okay typically for life typically for life yet being a jedi is for life unless you get you leave the order or whatever um you're surrounded by kids and I think that's where I'm going to end this segment. Yeah, um, I think that's a good spot. You know, I think it's a great spot. I would agree. Um, all right. I have, a, I have a question for you. Okay. We're going to segue to one of my other topics. What famous person would you expect to have an exclusive hobby? And I'm going to give you an example. Like okay. James Cameron and going to the bottom of the ocean. Okay. So something just kind of outlandish that isn't for the everyday man. Yeah, and not even for the everyday uh, celebrity or famous person. Like, because to organize going to the bottom of the ocean takes a lot of manpower, you know? It's Mm -hmm. not like you can just get a fishing boat and go diving. Like, you have to get a freaking special submarine to go that deep. Not even, like... And we're not talking about submarines from, like, Red October. Like, no, no, we've got to deal with a sub that can handle an insane amount of pressure underwater. Like, you're going to the deep trench. So I'm thinking of, like, one other, like, if you were to think of famous people, like, think of interesting famous people and coming up with, like, the exclusive hobby that they might partake in. I, (laughs) one of the first things that my mind goes to is Bill Murray and... I've heard a lot of stories about him doing this. and I really just want to believe that it's like his goal in life to do this to people. And it's like, it's more of an intentional choice than just a random happenstance. But I like to think that he travels the country town to town, goes to different restaurants. And then (laughs) this is like a real thing that he's done. He's walked up to somebody, taken some food off of their plate, looked them in the eyes and says, no one will believe you. And then just walks away. Oh, my gosh what a great story and i just i really hope that he's got like an itinerary and a roadmap, and he's going from town to town just sneaking around behind people taking their food and then just blowing their mind and then just leaving do you actually that brings a good question do you think bill murray is the type of person that when they're at a rest stop like on the highway a major highway rest stop is he the type of person who takes the brochures of like the closest uh thrill park or like the closest like um monument or like attraction for the town 
absolutely this is this is the kind of guy who lives in the moment and really just takes life for all that it is and i think he's the kind of person that would revel in those small moments like that and find like the weird quirky things that are like secret gems in people's towns and just enjoy the heck out of it Mm. yeah bill murray is oh man there's a generation that's gonna grow up without knowing bill murray don't you dare say that chris it's true bill murray is the male betty white he will never die no that's keith richards dude (laughs) but the difference is we don't want bill murray to die i would i I, at this whoa whoa what are you saying here okay so save yourself if if someone were to say that keith richards has actually been dead for the last 20 years it's just been a an urban legend that he stayed alive i would believe it Ooh, who would we do that for I mean, Keith Richards is a good choice, but I don't know. Because you need I, someone that's that stays off the radar just enough, but whose past has become more of a legend than who he is today. Oh, that actually happened to me. Not not me personally, but I, like I had a moment where I thought Christopher Lee had died last year. He's been dead oh. for five years. Oh my gosh! Yeah, exactly. Like he died in 2015. I thought he died last year. Jeez. That's a that's a real soul crusher right there. Yeah, hey, Christopher Lee, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just and like you know who's this go? Who would be the celebrity to die to be dead for twenty years and us not know it? Hmm. Well, I who was famous and is no like Rick Rick Moranis has to has to be that because he gave up acting to be with his kids. To, to watch his kids grow up. Yeah, but then he, he announced he's going to be in the next Ghostbusters movie. So he's he's making a comeback. Well, I'm sure his kids are grown up now, but his, his story is so heartfelt where mm-hmm. he said that his... I guess it was that... I forget if it's his parents weren't home or his parents were home all the time growing up. And so he wanted to do that for his kids, which is why he kind of gave up acting for a long time. Yeah, after yeah, after his wife died. Um yeah, I mean he I, I think it was that his parents were around and he wanted to give his kids that um that like real authentic experience and, and be able to connect with them and not miss any of their life or have them miss out on a real childhood just because he happened to be well known at the time. I didn't know that he he was actually his uh wife died. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, I believe I believe she died of cancer. Oh no, this show is getting really sad. It's oh. getting real, Chris. Why does it have to happen to the people who who are so nice? Like, like it would be shocking that if it came out that Rick Moranis was like some serious asshole. Like he just doesn't look like an asshole. He just looks like a like a nerdy, not necessarily nerdy. He just looks like a like a like a like a nice guy. He's just a real dude. Like some, I, I don't. I think he's the type of person that's never let fame get to his head, and he just, just really enjoys what he does, and it's just like a down to earth, happy go lucky guy that happens to be in movies. He looks like he looks like a college professor that just gives out good grades. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have to work that hard. It's like, all right, all right, gather around gather around where he just like his class is just like we're gonna have a conversation today and if the conversation sucks if we don't know how to drive it y'all are gonna you're gonna get c's if you don't show up to class you're gonna get an f but if we have a good conversation today i'll just give you an a for the day like i feel like he'd be the type of like nuanced professor to do that that's fair that seems like a type of thing he might do yeah that's a rick moranis gosh oh you know what it's almost like that's going to be my answer for something, ex- an exclusive hobby for a famous person. It's just to hang out with their kids. <laughs> Who? Their, their hobby is to give their kids a good life. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, you, you, can you imagine like for Rick Moranis, the money he made as an actor? I don't know if it's astronomical, but I imagine it's enough to like keep going. I don't know if he found another job, but it, like. If you invest well and do things like you live like 
not like extravagant. You know, we're not talking like NFL money here or like Brad Pitt stupid money. I'm talking like, you know, you live in a in a suburbia like we were talking about, like a normal suburbia and stuff like that. And dad's home all the time. Make sure you're OK. Maybe he's writing a book. Maybe he's writing screenplays. You get back home from or you get back home, uh, get back home after school and like there's a snack waiting for you, like something healthy, like grapes or apples or carrots. And then for dinner is something else, you know, and it's like you watch a little bit of TV before you go to bed because all your homework's done. You go to bed and then maybe for the weekend, it's like, hey, we're going to go to the park or we're going to go to this place or we're going to go out to eat or something like that. You know, I, I just imagine like that's the thing that Rick Moranis does. And it's as simple as simple as it sounds. It's got to be an exclusive hobby. Like no one, no one can really do that. <laughs> no one can give their kids a good life and just live down to earth. Well, I'm not saying about the good life part. No, 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 not that. And, and I don't think it's even like, like I'm sure there's you know a lot of parents who um, watch the kids and stuff like that. But I feel, I, I, I don't know. It just seems. You know what? Now it doesn't seem like a very exclusive hobby. Never mind. And it's not even a hobby. I'm sure it's a lot of work. You know what? It I'm, sounds I'm like gonna, good parenting, Chris. I'm, I'm like digging the biggest hole of what you want, don't want to do is to offend like stay-at-home parents. And uh, <laughs> and calling taking care of kids a hobby, which is probably it's a lot of work. So you know what? I want to focus on James Cameron for a second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's such a big hole. It just really is. You know, and the more I talk about it, the more nervous I become, and the more I just want to focus on James Cameron. But he hasn't done anything with Avatar. Really, I don't know. I mean, he's probably able to be at home, and I'm sure he's got a whole studio in his house where he can maybe tweak some of the effects and like continue working on the behind the scenes stuff for Avatar. So maybe all. Th- three or five of them that are coming out next can happen in the next 20 years. Why does Elon Musk have some of the most interesting companies, but talks like the most boring person on the planet? That's a very good question. I was looking for a thought to get away from the whole hobby thing. And, and so keep bringing it up, you know, I just can't. It's, it's like a, it's, it's like an STD where you think you got, got rid of it and it just keeps coming back. That's just... I'm saying that not from experience. Not from experience. That that metaphor was just just perfect for the kind of segue you wanted to get out of that conversation. I, I think it is the perfect segue. Um, but e- Elon Musk, I was listening to him talk for the SpaceX launch. Mm-hmm. And the way he was talking, like, obviously he was nervous. It's very important. But people talk with, like, um, people have a a a beat to their speech you know kind of like a rhythm and for him his rhythm just didn't it it just seems like if we had him at dinner he'd just be there wouldn't be a conversation that would flow really well like we you would probably learn a lot but i almost feel like he'd be uncomfortable the whole time like we have we ever seen elon musk talk when he's super like comfortable he seems like the type of person who like took apart TVs and radios in his garage and eventually became this like this genius and head of a company, but was like thrust into those positions and given too much power too quickly before he developed social skills. And now he's just trying to play catch up with constantly being put in front of a camera. And the only time I've ever seen him be like super comfortable in an interview was when he was doing, I believe it was the Joe Rogan podcast and they were smoking weed and he didn't even seem that comfortable until he got to the weed. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, that was what brought his defenses down and I think finally opened him up as a person. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I find it, you would always think that our version of, um, of Bruce Wayne, which people have kind of like joked around, billionaire, does all this crazy stuff, like that they would be a little bit more charismatic. And it's not saying it gets Elon Musk because Elon Musk is also very 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 smart like i will not uh, i won't take that away like he is a very smart dude um but i just i don't know i expected more of a bravado and maybe we're getting that in jeff bezos but even 
even Jeff Bezos, I just, I don't, I don't see it either. No, Elon Musk seems like if white bread needed a hype man, that's who they would call. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What? Dishing out the diss. Do you like Elon Musk? I mean, he's... I have nothing against him. He seems like a very smart guy who's obviously very wealthy and I think a good philanthropist who's trying to like get us back on track and get us into outer space and do a lot of like scientific research. I he just he has like no effect on my life. Yeah, well, I see that there's a lot of people who have an opinion of Elon Musk being like you know, people go out and they say, like, he's a piece of shit. Like, these are people who are not connected to Elon Musk whatsoever. Just the stories that come out of, uh, like, uh, with the, him calling this guy a pedophile or the whole, like, the Cybertruck thing. Uh, just, like, they attach him to being some, like, I don't know, like a like an idiot, like an idiot savant. I don't know, like a discon, like a disconnected billionaire that just like d- that doesn't care. But I don't, I don't see. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that kind of asshole. I just think he's that kind of guy who you don't seem to connect with because he is uncharismatic. I don't think he's a bad guy. No, and that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think that he has developed the type of social skills or that inherent personality that I think people are used to seeing from this massive public figure who is the head of a a giant tech company um, that's very personable. Like you have, um, you had obviously like um, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. And even if they're not like the most- Yes, the very personable Steve Jobs. (laughs) I know, but like, even if you, even if they're not very personable or very um, like, like even if they're not very down to earth necessarily, I I think Bill Gates is, but um, they at least were like very, they seemed very passionate about their their companies and their their product and um i think we're much better public speakers than elon musk is like i don't think he's meant to be in front of a camera or behind a microphone i think he's meant to be like in a lab developing the next big thing and someone else should get up and be the hype man for what he's doing but i think i think he just is i mean not everybody has that type of personality not everybody well well, to, to to say the personality thing, I think I I look at him like like Elon Musk isn't enjoying what he's doing. Like he looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like he he looks like someone who's working real. You know, it's like someone who works really really hard and they know how far away they are from a project being done. Mm-hmm. When I look into Elon Musk's eyes, that's what I see. And I I think that that's what makes him successful is that he. He probably never feels like he's where he wants to be and he has that drive, but you also have to be able to balance or you should be able to balance that with kind of being, if you're going to be the public face of a company, you need to be able to be in public. And I don't know. I mean, like there's nothing wrong with not having that type of mindset or personality or capability or anything because it's not, it's not for everybody. Like I am not very extroverted. I'm not a great public speaker, but if I were to be, if I was to get like thrust in the position of being the, like the face of this kind of company, it's something that I feel like I would want to work on a bit and should be good at sort of. Yeah. It's uh, with Elon. It's like, I, I don't want to say I feel bad for the guy because he is a billionaire, but I feel bad for the perception he gets. Like, obviously, the pedo thing he said on Twitter was a mistake. Um, him talking about stock prices and stuff was a mistake. The SEC was just like, can't do that. You know, he probably didn't know because he's from, I don't know. I don't, he grew up in South Africa, and they don't have, I, as far as I know, they don't have, like, some crazy trade commission stuff called the SEC, which is the same thing you would call the Southeastern Conference for football, but I digress. Uh, he just, you know... He's he's foreign and he's getting used to the American system. I I just you know I kind of feel bad for the undeserved shit he gets he, because he is innovating. Now there is one guy, which always looks nervous, like different from Elon Musk looking like he's overworked. Why does uh 
Why does Zuckerberg look like he's got a gun to his head at all times? <laughs> that man I, sweats more than me, and that's scary. <laughs> that's a very good point. He, wow, yeah, he, he's another like one of those people that, like, to start at such a young age and then to be thrust so quickly into the spotlight for such a large development and uh, social networking system. I like he's not the type of person like I just don't think he had enough time to really adjust to the position that he was put in and I again I think he's just the type of guy like that's great behind a computer screen and is very intelligent in that respect but like was not bred to be the face of a company but I don't think the face of a well I don't think the head of a company necessarily has to be charismatic you can have a speaker or something like that. You can have you can have the face of a company not be the person in charge of the company. You know what I mean? Like what it, like the uh, for example, like Taco Bell doesn't have a face of a company except for maybe during the 2000s uh, a chihuahua. Like that's the face of Taco Bell, you know? You know, you don't know Taco Bell by its CEO. Same thing with Wendy's. Wendy's the face of Wendy's, it it's Wendy, but also if you grow up in our time, it's the Twitter handle for Wendy. <laughs> you know, I Twitter handle seven. I feel like you can have for Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have to be that character. I'm just simply saying he always looks like he's got a gun to his head. And I just want to tell him, Zuck, relax, take a deep breath. He's enjoy reading, a sandwich. I don't know. Reading, uh, too many of the comments on his own to, uh, technology. I mean, can oh. you imagine like to be in his shoes and to have created this thing and same thing with Twitter, but then have all of the negativity and like toxicity that goes on on Facebook and Twitter. And then just knowing that, like, I mean, like he's, he's got that, that responsibility of knowing that he is the one that created this. And like, he not, he did like connect the world in this whole new way, but he also allowed a lot of the darkness and humanity to come out in an, uh, like, basically unregulated way but but that's not you know i will say it's not his fault and he's a very smart businessman by not going out and saying it because listen i'm doing it right now i'm taking the leap of faith and saying that guess what facebook and twitter and all this stuff where people see terrible things that's humanity through an hourglass my friend and or not an hourglass a a microscope. That's what I mean. Hourglass. What the <laughs> very heck? Very different pieces of technology. Very, Chris. very different pieces to look through, even. Um, <laughs> but one has sand in it, and that'll blur your vision. But, like, I, I, if he came out and said, like, guess what? Facebook, if you're mad at the way like people are on Facebook, misinformation, ads, and stuff like that, you know, you just say, I developed the software for people to use to put their stuff out i didn't tell you that you want it on your like on your uh on your description you know i didn't tell you what to say you just say it you know and you're getting mad at me for something someone else said i didn't put that out there they did i just simply put out a vehicle so mary sue loves planting apple trees in her orchard or whatever and then over here you've got billy bob who likes murdering squirrels with a dull knife you know, if you're going to have these two different descriptions, these are the different personalities out in the world. And this is what they want people to see. If he went out and said that, he would get, like, crucified. And But he would be right, you know? Yeah, he would be. But I, I, it's one of those things that I think, for people in his position, it's just unspoken, but, but just recognized and known. But then you can have people on the bottom of the totem pole like us that, like, people on our level talk about it all day every day about the types of things that are said and done on social media but for someone who actually is responsible for developing and pushing it farther to say that i think it's just recognizing in a level that it almost seems like they're allowing it that like they're they're saying like yes the darkness of humanity is coming out and we're not going to stop it why should he I mean, it's not up to him to regulate it. I'm not yeah. saying it should be regulated. I'm just saying it's it's a very real thing. I I think I think I think that goes back to this idea that 
um, I, I think we, uh, a former, like someone who I used to work with, we joked about, you know, the pilgrims and stuff like that. And, and what, like the Puritans and all, all of that jazz and how, how, how sexually repressed in the United, in, in the United States you think we can be, but we're not like we have like mm-hmm. sex symbols everywhere you know, symbolism everywhere and all this stuff like lingerie, burgers at one point were sexualized. Like it's everywhere, but people aren't willing to talk about it at the same time. Whereas in Europe, they just, they'll, they'll just go on about it and they don't nearly have as much of the sexual messaging, um, that we do in this country. It's very odd, like give and take and every culture is different. Like if you go to like india like you know you're not going to see a lot of provocative stuff out there same thing with the middle east and you could say the same thing for latin america you're not going to see the same thing either um unless you go to certain places but the, the point is that you know the messaging of it always being there is more of a you american thing than across the nation and i feel like we also have to come to grips while there is that sexual undertone in everything we do there's also this weird pretentious safety net or say like shield we put up here in the united states where it's like oh my gosh you know uh it's just it's just like i can't believe someone would do that and eventually we need to just stop saying i can't believe it and just be mad about it like wow that person did that what a sicko or psychopath you know that's disgusting rather than be like oh my gosh i can't believe it no believe it americans are or not necessarily americans but people are people are nuts you know, like getting stroked off by a broomstick. <laughs> and it all comes full circle. It comes full circle. Tomato, tomato, you do you. I'm just saying, I don't want a broomstick that's made out of wood. You know, I mean, don't put that I, anywhere near me. Brooms are dirty. I don't want, I don't want anybody to touch me with that. I just, I don't want a splinter, John. No, even, no. <laughs> I almost got you to say something. <laughs> I mean... Swiffer would probably be the most acceptable method of stroking somebody with a broom, but even that's just weird. I love that your wife listens to these. <laughs> I think. Jill, that was for you. I won't give you any ideas for later, but there you go. Take it oh with what you God. will. <laughs> you could cut you could cut that if you want or leave it in. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Summit Up Podcast. We will see you next week. John will be in charge of the show, and I'm sure we'll have lots of fun stuff to talk about. Hashtag Star Wars Solo Two. Oh my God! Don't don't even start it. I, I don't I don't want it to happen, but you know, we'll or see. At least the Lord and Miller cut. Ooh, I'm down for. Th- I I might I might be down for that. Oh my let's, God! Let's not let's not. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right, everyone. Have a nice week. Bye. Bye.